0: An Eye for an Eye podcast contains materials that may not be suited for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Superior Court of California, County of Los Angeles. In a matter of the people of the state of California versus Orenthal James Simpson, case number BA097211. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of penal code section 187A, a felony upon Ronald Lyle Goldman, a human being, as charged in count two of the information.
0: So let's kick this off, Matt. This is episode one. We're about to kill it.
2: Absolutely, episode one. So we actually thought for episode one we'd get this started um, with, like I said, a case that probably everybody, I think, you know, unless you've been living (laughs) under a rock, has heard about uh, the O.J. Simpson trials, I will say. He has uh, has had two significant stints in the American justice system. He just can't
0: stay out of the limelight. (laughs) He
2: can't manage to get himself out of the limelight. (laughs) And actually, today's date, uh, we're sitting here July 19th, 2017, recording this. And tomorrow, July 20th, 2017, is O.J. Simpson's first parole hearing for his second sentence uh, for which he was convicted, uh, which we will talk about a little bit further down the line here. But I'd like to actually kick it off by introducing our first ever guest star... Uh, Yay! one of my favorite well, people. Well. If not my favorite person, my brother John Ryan. He is uh, if not the most avid sports watcher I've ever met. He's definitely up there, but um, <laughs> he and I have at length discussed this case. I would say just as much as any sports fan that knows their salt has. and uh, we wanted we wanted to get his opinion. We'd love to have you discuss a little bit about what you know and chime in a little bit here, bro.
3: Thank you, uh, Matt and Lisa. Happy to join you guys in your first ever podcast. I'm, so I, uh, excited. I'm excited to hear how all the cases moving forward. Tomorrow, A- OJ with his. First ever parole hearing. It's hard to believe, be isn't fun it? One.
0: This is gonna be a fun yeah. one. Sure. Yeah, considering back
3: in two thousand eight, sentenced to thirty three years. Thirty
2: three years, yes, he was. Uh, after uh, after everybody heard about the trial of the century of the twentieth uh. century, you know that was the uh, the initial bout with the court system that OJ had. But he, uh, he might have gotten a little reciprocity there.
3: We yeah. think so. Yeah.
0: We're gonna go into that. So yeah, but, uh, we'll get into that. Eye
3: for mm-hmm. an eye, right? Eye for, eye for an, an eye. eye. We'll exactly. See, yeah. There you go. Cheers to right. that, brother. Cheers. We're and actually
0: uh, drinking some. We're burrs. cracking a sour <laughs>
2: beer here and having a good time, all watching the pirate game, talking about yeah, this. Yep. So right, uh, I'm gonna dive way. in. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get started. How we're gonna do most of these eye for an eye uh, seminar webinar casts is uh, start out with a little bit of case facts. Uh, just for those of you that may not know a little bit about the details. Obviously, this one is gonna be a little bit rehearsed. Everybody's you know seen it. It's been covered more than anything maybe ever. so, But I'm going to dive in a little bit about O.J. Simpson's history, then talk a little bit about the first trial, the trial of the century, quote unquote, uh, that took place back in the mid-90s, and then we will get a little bit into that and the period between then and leading up to his second stint with the justice system. So let's uh, let's start off. We're going to talk a little bit about O.J. now. We're talking about one of, I think, uh, college football, if not just football in general's greatest athletes of the last millennia, you know,
3: without a doubt. Um, I mean, he's a top three college football player of all time, in my opinion. The Definitely, juice the is juice. Uh,
2: probably the most most well known though. Nin- he's um,
3: nineteen sixty nine number one overall pick NFL draft. Exactly
2: to our Buffalo Bills. God love him. Um, and you know, OJ, uh, he had a long career. Um, not only of being well known for his football prominence, he played in the NFL for, what, more than 10 seasons, I think 10 or 11 seasons, and then he ended up coming on as a broadcaster, and he became an actor, and he was, uh, as, as much as you could possibly imagine, a guy going from...
0: Jack of all trades.
2: Jack of all trades, exactly. He came from a poor area of Los Angeles, not a very well-spoken guy, from what historical accounts have told us, when he first came to SC, uh, but he really kind of adopted that sort of... Man of Southern California. We, you know, we have a few friends and a few family that have gone there. That they talk about. It's a little bit of a prestige thing, and I think OJ sort of well, without a
3: doubt. That. Yeah, he was the man. I mean, and he loved it. That's American he hero, lived, really.
0: Right? He lived really? for
3: it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. People magazine described him at one time as the first black athlete to be a bona fide, me, lovable media superstar.
2: Yeah, that, that's pretty significant. I mean, you got to think about it. over how much time are we talking about here? That's that's pretty significant. So and now, now I'd also like to touch a little bit on uh, aside from OJ himself. um, Obviously, his fame, his status, got him to where he was, and what made him so uh, so marketable, I think, was was his adaptability. You know, he kind of became whatever people wanted him to be, and I think that in in the time that he was alive, particularly that he was relevant in L.A., was one of the most tenuous times. Civil rights and racially speaking, maybe in American history. Uh, obviously, none of us sitting here were alive to experience that, but I think historical accounts will tell you. You know, we've we've never really seen mm-hmm. the type of strain that was on the community that was in Los Angeles back in the '70s and '80s. You know, I mean, what what are we talking about here? That was one of the most divided communities in the in the world, probably. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: That obviously contributes to a lot of the tension that built up. So leading up to what happened with O.J. Simpson he was married to a woman named Nicole Brown. She was from a fairly well known, fairly wealthy Los Angeles, Southern California family. Had a Beautiful Pretty, woman, beautiful woman. Gorgeous. Obviously, yeah, very, gorgeous. very well, uh, very well liked among the socialite like community in L.A. And they, uh, they got out a lot. You know, as we were saying, O.J. was well liked among the wealthy and famous, and he was marketable for everybody. So they all wanted O.J. around. You know, he was the juices, generally I was saying. So that, unfortunately, was only what we saw in the public light. From a lot of accounts that have been told from Nicole's family friends of both of the parties involved that there was a lot of behind the scenes uh, abuse going on between OJ and Nicole that it was whether it be verbal abuse often led to physical abuse I think LAPD was called to their home when they were married how many times three or four yeah there were multiple accounts
3: where domestic violence
2: so yeah obviously now that had Something to do with what led up to the night in question here. The first time we ever heard OJ, though, really be reputed to be off, a little off. He had uh, he had Nicole Brown after, this was after they were divorced. They had two children. But he had her tailed home, I believe, one night from a bar restaurant that she was That's at with a so few friends. Yeah. And then uh, showed up at her house and made a scene. So... LAPD was called But nothing was done No charges were filed Now obviously We're leading up to What everybody knows was
0: A horrific
2: Horrific crime
0: Horrific crime
2: Um Now The night in question OJ was reputed to be Going to Chicago For I think it was a photo shoot And he had An ad to do Nicole's house Was Discovered She was discovered At her house Mutilated stabbed, Throat slit and just completely thrashed neck almost broken and then ron goldman a waiter at a local restaurant was also found on the premises same inflicted wounds stabbed multiple times deep stab wounds they said could not have been done by anybody less than over six foot 200 pounds and i mean we're talking about Somebody with the amount of force to generate stab wounds deep enough to penetrate bone, flesh, hit vital organs without problems here. And, you know, everybody who's seen movies will tell you that's the easiest thing on Earth to do. We're all Game of Thrones fans here. But that actually requires a little bit of force. A lot force. of
0: strength. And and for yeah. murders that happen by stabbing, also by strangulation, they always report that those are the most personal crimes. Most often, if you're attacked by a stranger, they're, they're not going to... Be using that kind of force. It's a very personal thing to stab someone. Very personal thing to choke someone. Cut their throat. That's a very personal attack. It, it's malice. Absolutely. It's it's anger. It's hate. It, it's it takes a lot, and it it takes some strength. To really, you know, inflict pain with a knife. As simple as it may seem to cut someone with a knife, because, you know, you can nick yourself with a butter knife, really. It takes a lot of strength, and, you know, you have to think this is a living, breathing human being. You know, they're not just going to sit down while this happens. Absolutely. So there was definitely the person in question who did these crimes most definitely outweighed and was larger than you know, Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman.
3: Definitely a brutal case. Nicole was found with multiple stab wounds in the head and neck area. One of the officers found what was one of the biggest
2: pieces of evidence in the trial, the bloody glove. Yes, yes. And a lot of physical evidence. Of course, the glove being one of the most... Infamous. Yeah, infamous and probably what should have been damning pieces of evidence. But that including a blood trail going from Rockingham, which was... Nicole Brown's house, all the way back to OJ's house in Brentwood from her home around the back to where the white Bronco was allegedly parked, in the Bronco, and then back to OJ's house. There was Wait, his car truck. was there? They allegedly, yes. I didn't know
0: that piece of information. Yeah,
2: there was a, a white truck a witness saw parked around the side of the building complex. It was an alley that cut through the side, and you could Access that by hopping a fence and that's what they believe OJ did and also I'd like to uh, just take a side note here Just to recommend to anybody John Ryan and I have watched them both like two really great Summarizations of this case were just done recently in the last two years uh, one was by the, uh, the network FX was obviously fictitious, but it was based in reality and um, O.J. Simpson the people versus O.J. Simpson. That was that was a great show. Great
3: Cuba acting. played O.J. Yes. John so Travolta. Good, yeah. um, good Sarah cast. Paulson. Sarah Paulson. And, and I think they
0: did yeah. it in such a way that, like I said, wasn't blasphemous to the people that no. were affected.
3: Absolutely not. David Schwimmer played uh, Rob Ra- uh, yeah. Kardashian. Although I do
0: I believe program. I remember hearing that the families of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman weren't actually contacted for that, and they were a little bit upset about that. I remember reading that somewhere. I don't know if that was ever rectified or not. I also was reading something on ABC News actually just now. I pulled it up, and it was talking about how Kris Jenner, who was a really good friend of both OJ and Nicole Brown Simpson, how she, during the trials, it was reported by ABC News, had to listen to a 911 call. Now, it doesn't specify when this was, if it was the day of the murder or if it was you know days prior, but it was before these murder took place. And it said, and I quote, she claimed OJ is going nuts, quote unquote, and is going to beat the shit out of me. Excuse my French. Her voice pleading for someone to come to her house because she thought he was going to beat the shit out of her. You know, I think that that was shocking to me because I had never heard that before. So I know I've seen Kris Jenner speak very rarely in interviews regarding this case. It was one of her dear friends. It's So it's heartbreaking to hear, but it does sound like You know, she does feel a little bit of guilt for not trying to pull Nicole out of that situation earlier. Never is anyone else to blame. No one's to blame here, it's a horrible crime. But it is interesting to hear from her friends and family who do feel a little bit of personal responsibility. I feel, I would feel the same way if someone I knew and loved got viciously attacked or murdered. Right. I'd feel a sense of responsibility, even if I had no idea. Absolutely. And, and I, I feel horrible, but that's that's just the way it is. Being a human being with emotions.
2: And you see how this case is still relevant in pop culture now. Even I mean, just to see that right there, a prominent figure such as Kris Jenner being, you know, still
3: affected. asked about
2: this, affected by this, and having people i'm sure associate her obviously she's done a lot with her life but i'm sure she's still associated to some <laughs> degree with this but then i also wanted to mention the other great informational much more information documentary based i think it was eight hours long oj made in america made in america I thank saw thank you oj made in america so
3: five-part series on espn <laughs> yes. with a lot of videotapes from the trial yes
2: and videotapes, actual interviews with people that were involved. So, I mean, I'm, that's where a lot of this information that we got, a lot of great content came from. We did a lot of intensive background research just from watching that, doing a little bit of Googling, obviously. But from really getting in-depth, I mean, they did a great job. It's produced by Jonathan Hawk, one of the best in the business, a guy I really admire. Uh, so we're talking about a few people here that have, in just recent history, taken the opportunity to talk more about this case, just to bring it up. Obviously, this trial was televised. It was one of the most broadcast and publicly viewed cases in history.
3: It's been considered the most publicized case of all time. Of all
2: time, exactly, yes. And um, a lot of people, like we say, still want to talk about it because that first trial, you know, there was a lot of controversy going on. Like we were saying, in Los Angeles at the time, a lot of racial division... The Rodney King beating had happened shortly before this, two years within two years before this. Uh, that was another obvious miscarriage of justice in that department, and I think a lot of people out there still um, had some sore, lingering effects from that. Uh, the black community, especially, they had a lot to deal with with just a systemic racism in the police department, and then we still hear about cases nowadays of people who have been mistreated and. Hopefully, you know, there will be improvements, and there have obviously been some improvements, but since the O.J. Simpson case, there has been a clear lack of association with the right way of doing things and the wrong way of doing yeah, things, it's... I think. We can get more into that with policing, but I just mean as far as sentencing with mm-hmm. trial goes. I mean, there have been so many people that have wondered how this type of miscarriage of justice could happen, and, I, you know, like I say, I hate to associate it with karma or bad feelings being spread in the community going around and that leading back to a biased jury because we like to think in a 12-person partisan jury system everybody has their fair say and we'd like to think that everybody's gonna gonna get a chance
0: it's just that's always been one of the questions i've always had with trials it's lawyers always work to pick the jury have the jury selection be most fair but they do get to pick their jury and you have to wonder there has to be some kind of systematic way they choose. I mean, I know there's a whole process in choosing. The voir dire
2: um, process. Yeah. yeah. The voir dire process is actually... um, But it's like,
0: how do you completely eliminate bias, especially in high-profile cases? And we'll get into that more with the second trial that he had. Absolutely. Um, I thought another... Point of this case that was interesting was OJ's dog. They believe that the dog actually led them to the murder scene. I'm reading here in Time. Time wrote an article that's really, really interesting. You should look it up if you are interested in this case at all. It's called OJ Simpson, dot, 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 if only the dog could talk. And basically the whole thing talks about how their Akita dog named uh, Kato, it's K-A-T-O, how would you say that? Kato. Kato. Um, between 11, or 10, 15 and 11 p.m. the night of the murders, their dog was barking and they saw the dog. And the dog actually had blood on its paws. One of their neighbors, Steven Schwab, said that while walking his dog at 10.55 p.m., he came across the Akita, which had bloody paws. As Schwab headed home, the dog followed him and he said it would howl at every house we passed, but it would stop and bark down the path. This path we would later Learn would be where the bodies would be discovered of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. I just thought that was so interesting because they have that instinct and and people believe this dog witnessed. Well, obviously it had bloody paw prints. Well, there were
2: children in the house too that night. That's another thing. Both of their children were home that night, the night she was murdered. They were asleep upstairs. That's horrifying. Since this was late at night, but yeah, it was. It's pretty horrifying. But that that is a really interesting bit of information Lisa yeah to your point Lisa that's interesting I never heard that before Mm -hmm. but the beginning
3: of FX series people versus people versus OJ exactly there is a dog that's how they the pilot episode starts there's a dog Mm -hmm. at the beginning and if I can think if I can remember I believe it is Nikita yeah and and you can hear it barking. I never it was understood a big part the, of the reasoning trial. behind that, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting. It,
0: it was funny because, you know, obviously dogs can't talk. It can't say what it saw, but clearly it saw something. Clearly it was alerted. Its instincts kicked in. Something wasn't right. It needed to help its owners. And I but think that's But we have just to think so that dog was also
2: willing to not attack whoever yeah. was there. So, You're right.
0: Ew, I didn't think about isn't that. Isn't that a
2: little bit un- disconcerting, you know, unnerving to think that, that that dog wasn't threatened by whoever person. was initially that's there. that's a huge
0: point to make. That right. is a huge point. That's a clearly, very... You know... Now, we, we
2: can get in and we will get into a little bit of our opinions, obviously, about what happened here. But just to tell you a little bit, I do want to talk about what actually the sentencing came down to. Now, the case itself was tried in Los Angeles County. Judge Ito presided, a Korean American judge. Um, I'm not gonna say it was for done for a reason, but I think that was the best way to prove no bias mm-hmm. by the uh, the California court especially
0: system, especially because of the trying times as you've mentioned a exactly. few times between races.
2: We talked about yeah the racial disparity that was going on, and I think a lot of people wanted to see what would have been a fair judge. So. OJ was initially charged with two counts of murder for Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman. DNA was the basis for the case. Obviously that was their big linchpin. Uh, the case was prosecuted by Marsha Clark, uh, who was, a, actually a really successful female district attorney in LA. Um, and at the time she was considered to be one of the better litigators In the area, from what I understand, uh, from a little bit of the background reading that I did, and then they brought on Chris Darden as an assistant, co-counsel, but there were three prosecuting attorneys, and then OJ compiled what is now known as the Dream Team (laughs) to assist in his defense, led by... first, Robert Shapiro. At first, yes, Robert Shapiro. I was just going to say, uh, some of the finest litigators after Robert Shapiro. He uh, pretty much relinquished all of his power. Exactly. To uh, some of the best trial attorneys uh, of the last, no doubt, century. Uh, F. Lee Bailey was part of the team. And then, obviously, uh, the lead attorney, who everybody now knows as being the Famous Johnny Cochran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you ever in trouble, call Johnny. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace. Rest in peace to Johnny, one of the great litigators, trial attorneys of all time. And I honestly think, and, you know, there were other, in, others involved as well Barry Sheck, Robert, Shek, um, Robert, Robert Kardashian. Kardashian. Robert Kardashian was sat on counsel, and then. Um,
0: Which was dramatic because, as I said, his ex wife, Chris Kardashian, was. Uh,
2: was friends was with Nicole really Brown, really good friends with
0: Nicole Brown. And, you know, he yes. was really good friends with OJ. It was a very... I think that's why she got so much media attention during the trial, because she was basically on both sides of it. The victim was one of her best friends, whereas her ex-husband's defending the yes. person accused of murdering her best friend, that must be the craziest position it to be had put to in. It inter-
3: had to be interesting for her. Yeah, no I, think, I think that's kind of why Robert Kardashian ended up kind of taken a backseat role Mm -hmm. in the trial obviously there were a lot of other famous litigators involved as well but as the trial went on he kind of distanced himself Mm -hmm. and part of that obviously could have been his own personal opinion of the case
2: obviously being friends with oj some personal guilt maybe Exactly. exactly absolutely so oj as we said he had several great litigators johnny cochran brought in some of his own uh, top lawyers, Harry Douglas from the Cochran firm, uh, to assist in the case. And they all sort of compiled this defense that O.J. could not have possibly done this based on the evidence that they had collected. That The DNA evidence was all very sparse. And this was, keep in mind, DNA, we all look at DNA now as being, you know, lock and key, close the door shut. It's absolute. This was a new technology, a new science for a lot of people back then, guys. So keep in mind, you know, this... This was enough to cause reasonable doubt in a jury, and that's really all it takes to acquit. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're looking just for some way to say, you know, hey, this might have been a little off kilter here. And they did a great job the defense of painting a picture that perhaps O.J. was a victim himself. You know, he was obviously a prominent actor, prominent athlete. And people wanted to, you know, bring him down a little bit, especially the LAPD, the vindictive Los Angeles Police Department who had seen a black man rise to power, rise to prominence, and now, you know, they want to get him get him back a little bit. And you know what? That wasn't the craziest defense to spin, guys, you know? I mean, that Definitely didn't... Absolutely not. That, that played pretty well with this jury, and...
0: Yeah. The, it's just one of those things where it's like, not only did the evidence make me feel a little bit different which we'll talk about but famous white bronco chase it's it's, you know if you have nothing to hide you hide nothing right and it felt like during this entire trial everything that oj did was hiding something yes and so that's why it's just mind-boggling which is why this is the first case we wanted to do how it all played out right you know and, and we'll talk about his second trial coming up here and the verdict of his first trial but it's just something i wanted to touch on it's if you have nothing to hide you hide nothing right and the
2: controversy that's associated to this to this case to this day is even though ultimately, you know, we know he was acquitted, but with with the amount of evidence and the brutality associated with the murders and the evidence of domestic abuse that had been played out and then there was this idea that OJ had also like you said Lisa had no reason to hide anything, and yet the whole time he's trying to change up his story and say, you know, we were we were great, things were good, but then oh well, we weren't, you know, we weren't speaking.
0: And didn't he threaten suicide in his Bronco chase, like at the end of it? He was. He was, saying he he wanted was holding to kill a gun, gun the,
1: the
3: whole time. He was holding a gun. And and
0: I don't think that's because he was innocent and just worried that it was going to fall down on him. I don't think that's the case at all. That had something to do with one. I think. It, I honestly think it was kind of like a media ploy. Like, he wanted people to feel sorry for him. Oh, I'm so sad. Yeah. I, don't want, I don't want to live without her. But at the same time, I see it as guilt.
2: I think a lot of people had that shared opinion with you, Lisa. I think a lot of people kind of saw this as in yet another grab for attention mm-hmm. from O.J. Simpson, a guy who had perfected the art of finding his way into the media. And, you know, I, I personally... I, no, I, I like to play devil's advocate. Anybody that knows you and you guys, if you listen to more podcasts... Yeah, and that's what know, this is about. Yeah, I, I, I like to spit out that here, I think... O. J. really was conflicted. I am I am of the opinion and obviously we'll give our opinions here on what we think happened, but I am of the opinion that at least for the purpose of trial, I think O J was that he, he really didn't think he was culpable for this. I think he might have known that he did something wrong, but I don't think he thought he was culpable. I feel like even to this
0: day, he's convinced himself that he's done nothing wrong. He's done
2: nothing wrong. And I think that's part of, you know, the Bronco chase and part of the trial of the century and having the whole media coverage be insistent and, you know, everything that took place within the trial. There were a lot of very odd inconsistencies. You know, one thing that I always like to... Think about is you know they had the entire jury, twelve jurors and a judge, and two prosecuting district attorneys, and then an entire defense team and a defendant go to the crime, go to one of the crime scenes, take tours of the crime scene, and you know that's almost unprecedented. If if that was anybody else, are we talking about anything? Not ever happening, you know, we, not only we leave the court setting, but we're going to take a little tour around Los Angeles here and I've check never out.
0: even heard of that in yeah. any other case, yeah, now never. that I'm thinking about it. I,
2: I don't think anybody would ever say that that's happening. Pictures,
0: maybe, not like let's get right. on a school bus, let's yeah. go take a tour.
2: And then there was the whole idea that, you know, the defense team changed OJ's house around John Ryan, and I always laugh about that, that, you know, they made it seem like he was a big family man, and that they hung African posters yeah, and African exactly. uh, decorations <laughs> in his so house ridiculous. to make him seem like like more of a more of a likable black man in the community that he was trying to defend himself in. And now I do wanna point out to you guys here, this jury was comprised of, I believe it was five women, seven men.
3: Six African
2: Americans. Six African Americans in LA County. So we're talking about a jury pool here that if they're not sympathetic necessarily to O. J. Simpson as a murderer i don't think that's what anybody here would imply and a lot of people have said you know that the jury selection and the wadir and what took place with trying to have it moved to a different county i think they tried to move to santa monica
3: but you have to think and to put things into perspective this was juice this was oj for people of la this this was hero the football player this was the heisman trophy winner nfl mvp this was the man. He That's was on I mean T V everywhere. Bias. There commercials. has to be
0: bias. Yeah. There, there has, has to, to be, be right. bias. And you
2: wonder where that played in with the trial. Obviously we think it did. All of us are of shared opinion that, that had some mitigating factor on this. I mean I th-
3: and I think one of the most noteworthy things about this trial and it was really revolutionary was with all the DNA evidence, there was still reasonable doubt, just That was, it was 22 years ago now, and as we, as we discuss it. So much has changed. Police protocol has changed. How they study the DNA evidence. How just I'm sure and this collected. case led that. If the case oh, happened sure today, what would the trial result
2: be? What would the verdict be? Absolutely. And it's you have to wonder. To over. You have to wonder with even today's media celebrity. I mean, we've seen a lot of athletes being prosecuted. Not all of them have been necessarily convicted, but we've seen.
0: Which we'll get into. We'll, at the we will we'll talk I have about. Strong feelings about that. Right
2: now, that that celebrity status has something to do with you know what happened here I think I think OJ was probably the prime case of that you know this is a guy who like John Ryan said he's, he's the juice man everybody wants OJ in the room and not only was he Famous, he was well known to be a schmoozer, and you know he got along well with everybody. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, he was captivating. He was. He, he worked is, the uh, room like his, as well as anybody. You ever, know what they say
0: though, sociopaths, their personalities are a one. And
2: I think that's exactly what we were dealing with here, Lisa. If I and I'm, you know, obviously no I'm no expert. I'm, I'm no criminal. I, know, so I, I couldn't exactly. <laughs> we're not
0: psychologists a, here. We're yeah,
2: not. point out, guys, nobody here is a psychologist. We <laughs> don't have any degrees in anything like that. Just
0: opinions. do get your in a bunch. And
2: anybody, you can look this up on you know med journals yeah, what the definition of a psychopath is. and sociopath is. And you, but you're right, absolutely. That's a sociopath one of the key is someone factors. who can, yeah, who can, they among a group of people, feel no empathy and maintain their composure, even having done terrible yeah. things.
0: Well, Matt, how did this trial turn out, the first yeah. trial? Yeah,
2: so let's talk about this here. Woo!
0: It's a doozy! We've,
2: we've done everything leading up to the trial. I think we've talked about it a little bit background. in some way or another, the background. So obviously, like I said, OJ was charged with two counts of murder. The case was based strongly in the DNA evidence. Uh, that was what Marsha Clark and Chris Darden continued to hit home with. Obviously, the defense tried to pull that away by pulling out the... The distrust of police, making that be the highlight of the case. Everybody who had any encounters with the police could have told you that they were a problem. Uh, They made it seem as though the brutality of the case was more overshadowed by the fact that this evidence wasn't really convincing. You know, we don't have anything To say for certain that this was any eyewitnesses, basically. We don't have any video evidence. We don't have anything convincing. The only
0: eyewitness they had was a dog.
2: A dog, right. Who we wish could have said something for all our sakes. Um, (laughs) But this case ended up going to the jury after several weeks of having been battled out. Both the defense and the prosecutorial team put together really detailed cases. Both had experts come in. Both had crying moms on the stand i mean the whole shebang this was televised so you guys have to imagine they were going for dramatic effect here uh probably one of the most was the glove not fitting if you do not if it does not fit you must acquit um where they actually made oj stand up in court try on the glove that was found at the crime scene it did not fit his hand uh we'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute as well obviously that we think might have had something to do with a little bit of trickery, also a little bit of just misplayed on the trial side. You know, not great litigation by the by yeah. um by the prosecuting Chris team here, Chris Marcia Darden. Clark. Yeah, honestly, and anybody who's ever studied, she got a
0: lot of shit for it too. You yeah, know, being a woman, during both, this child, both trial. those
2: two people really and endured a lot. Mother. They really did. Single mom and Chris Darden being a black man, a lot of people thought he was a proxy.
0: And people were pulling and, her apart in the media for the way she looked. Like it was not about her at all. Oh, and people was, were tearing her down.
2: It was ugly. It yeah, got they, ugly. This was like we said, the most televised. Criticized line. her hairstyles, wardrobe, everything. Everything you could imagine. I mean, it, this was tougher. this was hell for a lot of people, guys. I think I think that goes Absolutely. without saying. Um, so what it comes down to this case, eventually, like we said, it went to a jury after all of this time having been in court and all the witnesses, all the evidence that was presented. They were only deliberated in there for. Three and a half hours, guys. That's like what we looked forward to from morning till lunch. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's like the morning. Like
0: I can't even go that long without like thinking of food or stuff. Uh, yeah,
2: like I want a snack in that time, but other than that, I'm good, you know. Like we could we could that's yeah. that's watching Lord of the Rings, basically. <laughs> you know, they, they watched Lord of the Rings in there uh. and then, and then they decided the trial of the century. Yeah. And typically jury deliberations, anybody... You what know, was you guys, the
0: sentence he was out at? Life in prison or death? They, or? He was
2: looking at life in prison, yes. There was no death penalty statute for this, even though I think mitigating factors would have found that to be, if there was a death penalty yeah. in California at the time. But no, he was going to be sentenced to life in prison for two counts of murder, but he was acquitted. There were no lesser known sentences that were allowed to be considered, which is also something that we think might have been... Uh, One mitigating factor that I'll mention, at least I think, and what that means for those of you guys who don't know, a little bit of legal jargon. uh, Considering lesser known sentences would be that if he was to be found by the jury to be responsible, but not necessarily responsible for the crime that he was charged with. So in this case, he was charged with murder. If they wanted to charge him with something lesser, such as manslaughter, uh, to say that he didn't plan it, didn't have it all in mind, and he just happened to kill her in a fit of rage. Um, So that was not actually allowed in this trial. They went for it all. uh, And that's an
0: interesting thing in a lot of cases. It is. is. I think we'll talk about it later with different cases, because I know of another very popular case, uh, which we'll get into later, I think this person got off because of what they were trying to charge her with
2: right and and lisa and i we've talked about prosecutorial discretion as well as being a big big factor in sentencing and that's what we want to focus on obviously with this podcast is to talk about the sentencing so uh and prosecutorial discretion is just to say that the ultimate decision for how sentencing goes uh, if they want to choose to indict for murder or manslaughter or Involuntary manslaughter, Uh, however they decide to go to the grand jury with it beforehand, is all up to the prosecution. So we think with this case, that definitely had something to do with how it ended up playing out. Uh, Because after only that three and a half hour span, the jury came back with not guilty verdicts on both counts, both murder counts of his own recognizance after that. To kind
3: of touch on a few things here that really exemplify the magnitude of the case, so basically it was on October 2nd, 1995, when the jury reached their first deliberation after four hours, but it wasn't until the next morning when Judge Ito, because Judge Ito postponed the announcement until the following morning, so it was about 10 a.m. Pacific time on the 3rd when When the verdict was announced, and just a couple points here that I was reading. So before the verdict, President Bill Clinton was briefed on security measures if rioting occurred nationwide. Obviously, we'll touch on that in a second. But an estimated 100 million people worldwide watched or listened to the verdict announcement. Wow. Long distance tele telephone call volume declined by 58% and trading volume on the New York Stock Exchange decreased by 41%. So much work stopped that the verdict cost an estimated $480 million in lost
2: productivity. Wow. For that moment.
0: People avoided going to
3: the bathrooms.
0: Yeah.
2: Wow. This was a
0: huge, huge, huge If that
2: doesn't tell you guys what it is that we were dealing with here in significance as far as who was on trial and what it meant when it would be decided, you know, I don't think anything will.
0: Do we know, you know, if there was a survey done, you know, amongst, you know, the general population, whether or not they believed OJ was guilty or innocent? Or is yeah. it just now looking yeah. back on it? That no, Lisa, like, I'm,
2: I'm glad you brought that up. That first case, actually, um, now, obviously, I want to point out there was a survey done, a Gallup poll. There were multiple done, and there were different... Mm-hmm you know different strokes for different folks whatever people had (laughs) yes uh some of the backgrounds that people came from you're either urban or rural obviously black and white obviously socioeconomics had something to do with it obviously women and men uh you're talking about some sports fans and not there were people who had you know no idea who oj simpson was including Marsha clark one of the great parts one of my favorite parts of um, OJ Made in America, the ESPN documentary, is where Marsha Clark just dis- just discloses that she didn't know who OJ Simpson was before he came up on the docket sheet. You know, he was just the guy. He was on oh that guy from Sports Center. Or Little whatever.
0: did she know it thrust her into the spotlight. Of course, and this
2: is the, the, the case that would trial. end up making her career, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think really what we find now is like Lisa. You know, you said what would it be like today? This case, I think, would be so much different. I, I agree. Think. With a lot of what's happened since then, as far as DNA evidence has yeah, progressed, yeah, you touched on, on that finished. earlier,
0: and I, I think you're 100 percent correct. Right. I think John Ryan and you know you did two Matt hit on. It's without a reasonable doubt, yeah. and that's the hardest thing for these trials because you know it, it is such a task. If there's any shed of doubt, then what the jurors are supposed to listen to, right? If if there's you know innocent until proven guilty, if you can put any light of innocence, any doubt that this person could commit the crime, it throws the entire trial for a loop. And I think that was one of the most frustrating parts of this case for me, because in my mind, I'm seeing all the evidence, looking back on it now, with all of the information out now about the case, and I'm thinking, how did they have any doubt? But there was.
2: One of the jurors actually said, Lisa, in an interview, um, and I thought this was another really interesting tidbit, she said, I think there was evidence to show that she was abused and they didn't prove it. I think there was evidence to show that was... So they he felt short? Was, right. That that they may not have lived up to what the prosecutorial... Their entire duty is to and prove their case. And I guess that is case.
0: hard is that like, like you said, you're up against a superstar, an American hero. It is.
2: And, and his his relevance has a lot to do with it. I also think, and even what she said that I thought wrong really true, is they, they just they didn't get it over the goal line. They made a lot of points that nobody could refute. Yeah, a few jurors, even after the
3: trial, wrote a book, Madame Form, it was called, where they kind of described how a race that led to their decision, mm-hmm. but they they found
2: that there were police heirs. They... And I think Mark Furman being a, a key witness, and we have not actually mentioned this name yet, but for those of you guys that don't know, Mark Furman was actually the detective who found the bloody glove in the alleyway that was one of the most damning pieces of evidence. Uh, but he was a well-known, reputed racist. I mean, this was a blatant out-there. Everybody had heard him talk about it before. And he had supposedly, you know, changed his opinions. and you know, <laughs>
0: Changed his, his tune His life had
2: turned around. Good for you, bro. Yeah. But, you know, at this point in time, I don't understand how the prosecutors could have looked at this guy. How did the district attorneys not look at this guy and really vet him and say, hey, we we need a guy up here who's not gonna have any holes. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of holes Sorry. that they were able to poke in his defense. And I would encourage anybody to go and check out some of the video of his testimony.
1: In stand? Good afternoon, Gerald. Uh, you remind reminded, here that you were still under oath. Mr. Allman, you may proceed. Was the testimony that you gave in this case completely truthful? I wish to assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. Have you ever falsified a police report? I wish to assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. Is it your intention to assert your Fifth Amendment privilege with respect to all questions that I ask you? Yes. I only have one other question. What was that? Uh, Detective Furman, did you plant or manufacture any evidence in this case? I assert my fifth amendment privilege.
2: There's some really interesting pieces there that show where I think um, just why this happened, uh, I'll list my three biggest reasons. I'll say number one would be The prosecutor's falling short of their job. They're supposed to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. There should be no way that anybody else could have done it. They did not do that. Uh, Number two, I will say it was a mishandling to some degree by the LAPD. I think, and not just the the way they allowed OJ to turn himself in, but he didn't. He On left top of the, the lack of
3: trust for the
2: LAPD at right. the time. Right, yeah, and you got to think, that's exactly a great point, that. John Ryan. There's, there is a lot of distrust for LAPD at especially the time. Especially
0: between races.
2: Exactly, between the black community and the LAPD especially. And they want people to think that we're dealing with, you know, OJ Simpson. He's, like we said, a hero. He's a guy that everybody wants to believe couldn't be at fault here. We'd much rather believe it's the institutional racism that yeah. we've been dealing with and been seeing for years, uh, in the community. And then number three, I will put as um, I think was OJ's defense team they was did a, was stellar. Phenomenal, job. Johnny Cochran. I, I will never stop admiring that man's ability to. Let's litigate. just say, if
0: you murder someone, get them on your side.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, you know who to call. Unfortunately. Um, now, now some of the yet. surviving attorneys from that team have said, you know, that they had a lot of great exposure from that. They learned a lot from it. It was also one of the more trying times of their lives because a lot, a lot of a lot of
0: backlash i'm sure now a
2: lot of backlash i'm sure they still deal with it.
0: so what did he do in between uh trial number one and trial number two yes low? so
2: yeah so then there was a little bit um after oj was acquitted here we'll move on um and now there's always been some speculation you know oj kind of lived in the shadows for a while because he thought a lot of people weren't really too favorable of him
3: he i don't doubt he Touch-ups with the legal system, though. He was arrested in Florida for um, wakes some... and manatees yes. and safety zones. something
2: minor and... in Florida, like a trespassing. He
0: just can't say It seems like he's one of those people that, however minor, can't stay out of the spotlight. Yeah,
2: it's very... You know, he
0: had his football fame. Then when that was starting to dwindle a bit, had this crazy trial. Then when it, he became one of the most hated people probably, I'd argue, in America... Oh, I'd say um, for sure, yeah, you after know, this happened, he you know. <laughs> He brought it up again. That's
2: a good point, Lisa. I mean, this guy—I don't like to use the term "attention whore" until it's appropriate, but it's he's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's an, an attention, attention whore. For I mean, sure. I think you know this is the type of guy who had lived in he the spotlight can't his whole life. And
0: stand to not be the center of attention. And he
2: wanted to be. I don't think he wanted to be a murderer, but I, I think, think he at wanted this point to though,
0: he doesn't care because yeah. he's already become one of the most hated people. So now it's like, fuck it, let's be famous for anything.
2: Yeah, yeah, any press is good press at yeah. that point, I guess. So, OJ spent a couple years, and uh, now there are some accounts from friends that talk a little bit about, you know, what he did. He wrote a book, um, Ah. essentially... It was literally called, if I did it. Yeah, but it said actually, if I did it, you know. So that right there is a little bit. Wait, uh, Matt. Achy.
0: I pulled up a excerpt thing from this. So I was actually listening because, like Matt said, OJ's back in spotlight because he's up for his parole hearing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, a lot of this stuff is becoming refreshed. You know, for the generations, you know, my age who are too young and maybe didn't really follow crime you know they're bringing it all back up and so oj did he had a ghostwriter apparently Uh, he helped a ghostwriter write a book called if i did it now there was major 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 backlash obviously because that's insane uh for someone uh, not convicted but you know acquitted of murder to write a book on essentially how he would do it. So sure. what happened was...
3: One if, of the disturbing things about the book cover too is it's in big let, it's in big letters, I did it, and if is real small right yeah. before it. So. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's
0: so, it's disturbing all around, but the, the crazy thing is, and I actually find this super interesting, um, obviously there was major backlash when people heard that O.J. was behind a book coming out about the crime and about the case called if I did it and so actually the Goldman's Ron Goldman's family bought the rights to the book Mm -hmm. and so they added excerpts of them and their family speaking of Ron and of Nicole Brown and their thoughts and feelings on the case uh, while leaving in, you know, what O.J. had written, so they would get the um, rights to that book, you know, get the yeah, the yeah. royalties for the book. I'm glad
2: you mentioned the Goldman's as well. Um, go ahead, John. I kind of want to touch on that as well. So
3: after the murder case, there was a civil lawsuit yes. involving the yes. Goldman family, which O.J. was convicted and had to pay the Goldman's $33 million dollars no. Wrong, wrongful death.
2: Now for those of you guys that don't know, a little bit of just a little bit of background, a little difference here between what a civil case and a criminal yeah, case is. A criminal case, as we were talking about, has to be proved beyond a reasonable doubt. So there can be no evidence or there can be no yeah. doubt of anything Any that of once the, the evidence has jurors. been presented.
3: One juror has reasonable doubt, not guilty. It's not guilty, Wait, exactly. So is they that have really to convince. That works? Yeah, it's not. You would by think majority. I'd know
0: this after researching so many It's crimes.
2: All twelve jurors, yeah, just all twelve jurors. To a
3: civil trial where it's,
2: it's just majority. a majority, so, and it's wow, what's called it's what's called, their, it's what's called the term is the preponderance of the evidence, which is just to show that there is enough evidence Why to show that, that he could have committed the crime that he was guilty of it. So he was convicted in that civil. And it's not called convicted. Did he those
0: ever result in jail time civil cases? No,
2: it's not anything to do with the Is court it system. Is monetary? It, it's a monetary or it's some type of um, reparation. Well, at the paid. time, for OJ,
3: $33 million of money he didn't have, he just yeah. paid for the legal team of the century. Yeah. Is that
0: partially why uh, they got the royalties to the book? Because that was to pay exactly. off Exactly. Yeah, that's and what the it was.
3: T- exactly. They also tried to collect his NFL pension, which I think they failed in doing so, but they literally tried to destroy his life. See, in See, that's a way, the they crazy did.
0: thing, because when you, you would think, you know, I mean, I guess it's kind of like the lottery. Like, when you win $10 million, you don't really walk away with $10 million. You know, yeah. there's taxes. taxes is that f- the same thing with civil cases, when there is this crazy... Because I know... In lesser, high-profile cases, the ones that are lesser known, uh, when there's crazy abundance of money owed, I've seen it where it was they're never given. The, the victim families case, are never given, never see a dime of that money. That's
2: that's exactly what happened in this case, Lisa. Because OJ did not have the funds to pay back that thirty-three million dollars, uh, they were not given nearly a. So fraction. would that be
0: considered a win? Like yes, he gotten convicted, but
2: well, that's what you gotta ask yourself. I think I think Ron Goldman's family, family. would say. And his dad, actually, um, very well spoken with the media is the term I'm looking for. He's a very right. public figure now. And he's done a pretty interesting job of keeping this going that, you know, not only he thinks that O.J. Simpson was guilty of killing his son, but that he feels that he's still responsible and owes mm-hmm. a debt to society for it. O.J. So, eventually sold his husband trophy
3: to pay the family about, and is yeah. making about half. Um,
0: so, is there any consequence if you don't? pay that off or is it just like pay it off when you can like student loans like you know chip away at it chip away at the old block I, gonna... I
2: couldn't tell you exactly I
0: feel you like have a
3: would... legal right to pay for those damages before providing you pay you basically pay for your necessities but anything
2: else Goes to,
3: that. goes to
0: that Oh wow, okay, I didn't know that, that's interesting
2: So I want to move on a little bit from yeah. this And talk about what happened next And what the uh, parole what, hearing's
0: for tomorrow Segue
2: into that, yeah So we're talking a little bit about OJ Being up for parole now We're talking a little bit about him just most recently Being uh, hard up for cash Having to pay the Goldman's Obviously after the whole trial And having the civil case And having all the backlash from that Going along with it uh, OJ was pretty hard up for money at this point. Uh, this was the mid two thousands. You know, he was still doing appearances on, you know, Howard Stern and having his here and there appearances and making his Wendy Williams show type of, <laughs> and you know, on a, you'd see him pop up, but he wasn't really getting much attention, and he was obviously taken away from what had made him famous in football, his career as an athlete and his career as a, a broadcaster. So. He's pretty hard up for cash. And a friend of his, he found out, named Bruce Um, I guess you could say they were associates. They had dealt in the past for some of the memorabilia that OJ had collected over the years. Trophies or jerseys or game balls. Things that are of obvious monetary value. value, uh, Do you think they're
0: worth more now that he's infamous or before when he was famous? Because infamy, for those who don't know, is when you're known for something negative, something horrible, uh, but really well known for it, but being famous obviously is a little bit of a different ballpark. So do you think these items are worth more now because OJ is known everywhere, not just to the sports community? Or do you think it doesn't?
2: I would think so. I would think honestly that would contribute some for the people who are collectors to want have, to have some of the more important memorabilia pieces to not only collect, as like you said, sports figure, but mm-hmm. you're talking about trial of the century now. You know th- this is historically significant artifacts as well. Um, so this was, I think OJ would have described it as a misunderstanding, and I think Bruce Furlong would have described it as an he assault. Did not
0: describe it as a. <laughs> uh,
2: so they. Met, I liked how you yeah, they, put
0: that out they, there. They met
2: that a little differently there. So they met up in Las Vegas. So this was at a hotel at a convention. I was judging. Yeah, O. J. heard from another associate that this guy had several items of his that were of high value. That he was really He not was a
0: doesn't what's the term for what he did? He was a collector, like a trader a fe, It's of, called a
2: fence is a what f- it's called. Where oh. you, you collect artifacts and then you peddle them to people for um, moolah. For moolah, exactly. So maybe probably yeah. acquired. Um but Fromong was not a shady character, but he'd had some shady dealings himself. O.J. uh, and a group of friends, what they allegedly did was they heard that this guy was in a hotel, and they kind of got it in their minds that they were going to go over there, and they were going to keep him in this room until he gave him his stuff back. So they went in, they kicked in the door, and at gunpoint... Two of of them
1: had guns. Two of them had guns, Mm -hmm. correct.
2: Is heard on tape as saying... No one leaves this room. Mm-hmm. Now that comes in significantly later, um, but OJ then kind of roughed the guy up, told him a little bit about, you know, I'm OJ. Who do you think I am or who do you think you are? He was yelling from profanities. Me. Yeah, yelling some really awful things at this guy. Um, and then took a few of the items with him, a few jerseys, and left. Um, and then three days later was picked up by Vegas PD, uh, and held without bail, remanded.
0: Right after uh, this, this whole ordeal happened, um, the, the guys, I don't remember their names, Matt can correct me in a minute here, but the guys who were held at gunpoint, you know, with these two guns, roughed up a bit, and who had uh, OJ's merch, which is kind of ironic, stolen from them. They immediately identified OJ as a the suspect. They said, you know, OJ Simpson just came in here and robbed me at gunpoint and straight up straightforward there was no questions asked it was oj simpson and friends you know on team and uh, i think and i think that i mean i was listening to another good podcast which i'll i'll plug here it's called court junkie and she just covered this case because the trial or the parole hearing is coming up tomorrow and she plays actual files and i'll see if i can insert some in this podcast just so you guys can get a little bit of an idea of what i'm talking about here but Basically, police officer didn't believe them when they called this called this into the police because you're hearing OJ Simpson just how, robbed people for OJ's own stuff at gunpoint. Right. That sounds like, you know, too <coughs> stupid for lack of a better term to be true.
2: Right. Almost like you know, it was like <laughs> it's like, like, a it's joke. like yeah. I
0: like hold you a hostage because you have a pencil of mine. Obviously, there was more value to the items that these you know, gentlemen had. However, it's just moronic. It's, you know, instead of saying, hey, those are my things, can I have them back? You got away
3: with murder.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
0: right? (laughs) So you do something this stupid, it's just, and the police officer straight up said this was shocking. I didn't believe it. I didn't think that was legit. Our home team just scored. Bucko's just Bucos. won a big victory. Yeah. Sorry,
2: guys. We'll edit this out later, but the Pirates just won. Yes. yes. Uh, Ryan, Elise, all right. We listened plug back on this in December, and we didn't yeah. make the playoffs. <laughs> we'll <laughs> feel stupid. Oh, man. We had to plug that in there because we're
0: guys. watching that uh, Okay. Um,
2: but I do want to point out now a significant piece of information here. This guy, Bruce Fromong, had permits and licenses and all the to merchandise have to have all these. He had all the tags. So this guy was legit, I mean it's not like he stole this stuff even though that's what OJ was claiming. Uh, That became a big thing at the trial. So as we said, he was arrested three days later and he was eventually charged, brought up on, he was remanded first of all, charged with, ready for this, uh, kidnapping with a deadly weapon, robbery with a deadly weapon, assault with a deadly weapon. All these are class B or A felonies by the way guys. So you're looking at serious time here for any one of these convictions. Uh, now, and in
0: OJ's mind, he just went in, showed a gun, yeah, and said, "Hey, give his, me my shit back."
2: He didn't even consider it stealing; he yeah, was taking, taking his back things back his. from someone else, right? So that was his his primary defense at the time. And keep in mind, Johnny Cochran was not his attorney here.
0: <laughs> Wouldn't he be so lucky? Wouldn't
2: he be lucky? Yes. Now, uh, he was uh, he was charged with all these all these counts here, and really, what a lot of people wondered was how many of these are not trudged up, but are exaggerated somewhat just based on what OJ did in the past. Mm -hmm. You know, we're looking at 13 years later here, how much of this is related to that old case, how and much and it that's is. what we were
0: talking about earlier with the the point of the jury selection process, the voir dire process. Is that how you pronounce it?
2: Voir dire. Voir dire. Excuse
0: yeah. my French. Is that French?
2: Voir dire. Yeah, yes. Voidere.
0: Yeah, I, I did actually I took voidere. a criminal justice yeah. class. so I know a little bit of this stuff. And like I said, I researched this for my fun and before bed all that great stuff. But it begs the question. there had there there is no way that this jury came in with a clean slate. No way, there's no way. Yeah. This was one of the, the, this is still one of the most infamous trials. Right. Of of my whole lifetime, you know, so, I'm 24 years old. If you ask anyone in my generation who's O.J. Simpson. This is the trial. It's not right. even oh, he's the best football player. It's this trial. This is what he's now known for. So
2: we're not gonna say we, we don't we don't feel bad for O.J. Here, I guess no. I don't at least personally. But I will say, and Lisa made a great point in saying there was a bias here coming. People in. I mean, wanted that's...
0: him to serve for a crime he committed.
2: At some point in time, this was well a,
0: that we believe that we
2: believe he committed. He committed, yes. committed innocent until yes. proven guilty, guys. Please remember. If, we if have I opinions, did it, yeah,
0: but I didn't.
2: <laughs> we we have uh we have our opinions, but everybody has you know.
0: And know. I always say this is something you'll probably hear me say a lot, and it sounds horrible, and it's not. It's not word for word what it means, but I always say that I have a misplaced empathy problem. Now I don't have any empathy for this. You know piece of garbage oj but i did listen like i said to court junkies podcast on this and they did play you know after we'll go over the what the outcome of this trial was obviously if he's up for parole he did get convicted of something which matt will go over here in a second but they did play oj what he said to the jury and to the judge before they read their conviction and it you know if you didn't know who oj was and he wasn't infamous for this crazy trial so many years ago you'd almost feel bad for the guy because he sounded seriously like bewildered. Like, ha, I really thought I was taking back what was mine. And right. I'm sure Matt will touch on this in a little bit, but like I said prior, we were talking about him owing the Goldman's a lot of money, millions of dollars in royalties for a civil case for the crime. And he's been heard saying to other people, I believe it is on recording, Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that his whole Purpose in doing this was to keep those items out of, and he calls them the gold diggers, not the goldmans He calls them the gold diggers' hands mm-hmm. because he knows they want those items, or they want to profit from those items as they had been, like you said, from you know, or John Ryan, you said from the Heisman Trophy. They they are being paid still for for the damages, which they should be. I feel like he owes his life to them. I really believe, but. Sorry, Matt, for interrupting, but, no, you know, no, I just no, thought no, that no. was so interesting that, you know, he brought that up. And that's, like I said, the misplaced empathy comes from his his plea to the court before, you know, they write a sentencing to consider. And it's just interesting because obviously he didn't bring up any of that, but he did sound so convincing that he truly believed he was just taking back his own property. He didn't. He claims he didn't know anyone had guns. He claims he didn't know it was going to turn into a mess. He thought he was going into his buddy's place, getting back his materials, one and done and go. So it's interesting. You should listen to it. And obviously I have a huge bias, you know, I, I think this guy's a piece of garbage. But at the end of the day, if you listen to it with an open mind, it does sound really convincing. It sounds like something that is is an innocent person talking someone who not innocent because he knows that you know he did this there is no doubt that he went into this room and got those materials stole them however he truly believed he was taking back his own property and i think that's one of the most interesting things about this current case is that he he convinced me a little bit
1: Why do I, I stand before you today uh, sorry somewhat confused I feel like better to the people of the state of Nevada. I've been coming to Nevada since 1959. I worked summer jobs here for my uncle in '60 60 and '61, and I've been coming ever since. And I've never gotten any trouble. People have always been fine to me. When I came here, I came here for a wedding. I didn't come here to. I didn't come here to uh, reclaim property. I was told it was here. When he told me that Monday that the stuffer was in in Nevada, when he knew I was going to be in Nevada, I called my kids. I talked to my sisters. I called the Brown family, and I told them I had a chance to get some of our property back, property that over the years we've seen being sold on the Internet. Uh, We've seen pictures of ours that were stolen from our home going into the uh, tabloids. We've called the police and asked what to do. They told us what to try to do, but you can never find out who was selling and This was the first time I had an opportunity to catch the guys red-handed who had been stealing from my family. I knew these guys. I did think Mike Gilbert was would be there, and I know, as they told me, the two guys there, that he was the one who did it. But I have no hatred for Mike Gilbert. In the past, as we know, you heard on the tape, Mike Gilbert tried to set me up in a porn video, tripped me into a room with hidden cameras, and they still wrote in the newspaper and the tabloids, they still had cover stories that O.J. did it, even though there was no porn video, even though I didn't participate in it. I forgave Mike, I yelled at him, and I forgave him just like I yelled at Bruce and and Beardsley, and I've forgiven them we've talked about it virtually by the next day and uh bruce and i've hugged and talked about it his kids have called me since this we've apologized to each other the only person i asked i requested to help me here was mr stewart i did I needed his car. I asked him if he had some guys to help me remove these things from the room. I didn't ask anybody to do anything but to stand behind me, allow me to yell at these guys, and then help me remove those things. And if they wouldn't let me remove them, we would call the cops on them, because I felt that they were—they were wrong. They had turnover orders and they hadn't turned over some of these things that were both um, garnishable and things that were not garnishable. I didn't want them to yell at them. I think Mr. McClintock in the previous trial said that I didn't ask them to yell at anybody. Unfortunately, they did, and I believe it was my fault because I brought them there. And I knew the character of a couple of the guys that were there, and it was my fault that they were there. But in no way did I mean to hurt anybody, to steal anything from anyone. I spoke to Bruce before I left the room. He told me what was his, and I called her. When I got to the car and said, exactly what do you have? I want to send it back to you. I talked to the police officers. I volunteered immediately to come back. show them what was taken. And the tell them what took place. Before anybody talked to the police, I was the first guy to volunteer to do it. And I heard on the tapes that they thought I was stupid for doing it. But I didn't want to steal anything from anybody. I don't think anybody there said I wanted anybody else's stuff. Just my own. I wanted my, my daughter. Who Miss Brown gave her her mother's wedding name. Stolen. You know, my kids who had pictures. My older son has his own family now. He wanted the picture in the old office. Would you afford when he was five years old? Stolen. All of these things are gone. My family knew what we were doing. And I don't want to hurt Bruce. I didn't want to hurt any of these guys. I know these guys. These guys have eaten in my home. I've done book reports with their kids. I sung to their mothers when they were sick. You know, I wasn't there to hurt anybody. I just wanted my personal things, and I realized I was stupid. I am sorry. I didn't mean to steal anything from anybody, and I didn't know I was doing anything illegal. I thought I was confronting friends and retrieving my property. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all of it. But all the other guys, except Mr. Stewart, volunteered. They wanted to go. Mr. Stewart is the only person that I asked would he come to help me. All the rest of them. When they found out, they volunteered, come on, let us go. One of them wanted to be the security guy. He claimed he was a security guy. But I didn't mean to hurt anybody and I didn't mean to steal from anybody. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Like I said, he's a piece of garbage, but I don't know, Matt, let us know how it turned out. What happened here?
2: No, I I absolutely appreciate that, Lisa, because that contributes a lot to his state of mind of where he was on this before he was sentenced and i mean there's a lot to be said for that i don't think he ever thought he was guilty of anything in either case you know in either trial he was with it wasn't like oj's fault almost you mm-hmm. kind of feel like he was deflecting the entire time getting everyone it's, it's like he
0: wants people to feel sorry for him
2: right almost like we should because he's oj and that's, that's enough for him so I think uh, after we talk a little bit about what he was sentenced to here you guys will understand a little bit more he uh, was convicted of all ten counts uh, ten different counts uh, as I said four of which were uh, a felony murders uh, so you're looking at a top count here guys uh, he was oh. finally see, sentenced uh, this is an interesting <laughs> little tidbit here for you guys uh, that love uh, little factoids Oh, love them 13 years to the day after he was acquitted of Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman's murder, he was convicted of those 10 counts and sentenced to 33 years in prison on December 5th, 2008.
3: 33
0: years. Do we think that's coincidence, or did they do that on purpose? Well, that's that's the next
2: question I want to pose. He's on parole
3: for July 20th, 2017. Nine, yes, nine years
2: later. Now, we, I, I want to pose that to question... No no no. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, said, tomorrow, ironically. No. Yeah,
0: you just said it was December, and I asked you. But it
2: but, but it I do want to pose to this, to this question you just asked to you guys and to our listeners. You know, the big question here that what this podcast is based on. Was this a fair sentence? Was this what justice should be? An eye for an eye. Because ultimately, the three of us, I at least know, I think Lisa's pointed out, John Ryan has made it clear to me before, and he's said to you guys, we all think OJ killed two people Back in 1993.
3: I have a hard time believing people can convince
2: someone else that he did not do it. I agree. I think it's really too much damning evidence not to think. It's
0: it's like you guys pointed out before, and, like, I didn't, I I honestly, I didn't know the difference between a civil suit and a larger state Criminal criminal case. I didn't know, I know it's beyond a reasonable doubt, but I didn't realize that that meant all the jurors had to agree. And I think that's a really hard thing to do. I think that's a really, really, to get 12 people like i said he like we've said time and time again he's a high profile guy likable guy american hero football star who killed his wife or or allegedly killed his wife and um, or ex was he were they exes at that point they
2: were um, they were estranged
0: okay so they weren't say. divorced they, but they were separated I think exactly. they were
2: separated yes and were sorry if un- we don't
0: terms. get this all 100% uh, yeah we're, know, we're, we're all we're all doing our
2: best here guys we're,
0: yeah just bear with us But but it's one of those things where it's like Oh, it's just so frustrating because I, I get how hard it is. It must be one of the hardest jobs in the world. Uh, my uncle's actually a defense attorney, a criminal justice lawyer, and I always ask, "How do you?" And I I'm, I'm going to try to get him on this podcast, you know, later down the road, you yeah, know, we opinions, definitely get want that get opinion. that uh, those years of experience and, you know, working hand in hand in criminals who are convicted of crimes and something that he's gotten off. It's always been such an interesting question to me lawyers, how do you sit next to someone if you believe they did what they're convicted of? And yeah. my uncle's answer was interesting. He can always go back and correct my words, but he said something to the point because I asked this to him when I was like 14, because like I've said, I've been a crime junkie since I can remember and it's always interested me and he said, "Lisa, it's not about whether or not I think they did it. It's about getting the fairest sentence for what they're accused of. Getting them the fairest trial possible and the fairest outcome possible. And whether that means getting off completely depending on the evidence, that's one thing, but it, it's not where your personal opinions don't matter when you're a lawyer. You know, it's it's your job. That's you're representing your client. You're 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 pretty much the cheerleader for your client to get the fairest sentence possible." Absolutely. And, I don't personal opinion here, I don't believe his first trial sentence was was just was fits the crime. I don't believe that at all. And I could talk to his defense team now, do they? And I know they've did some interviews or wrote some articles in the past kind of detailing that they can't really go into it, but kind of hinting at what they feel. And I just think that's so interesting. He says Did he do it? Did he actually do it? Did he ever admit guilt to anyone even though he wasn't found guilty of these crimes? And How much does this affect this new trial? And I think it has everything to do with it. I I think, like I said, unless these people that they dug up from the ground, these jurors, I don't mean that in a bad way, I mean that they had to have been living under a rock if they didn't know who OJ was. And so there is absolutely, I believe in my whole heart heart of hearts, there is no way, no way that that trial did not play a part in this one. And I know I was listening to that podcast earlier and the judge actually made a speech before she convicted him and said, I told the jurors if you're here to convict OJ for a crime he may or may not have committed. So many years ago, I, I work for the state. I believe in the justice system. If you're here to do that, this isn't the trial for you. But there's no way that you, it, like, like let's, let's go around the room here. I, for one, if they asked me to be a juror on an OJ case, you better believe I would jump at it, right? Because I know who OJ Simpson is. I know what this trial uh, his past trial has entailed, that's cr- that's a high-profile case. Even if it was for him running a, like a traffic light, that's going to be a wh- high-profile case because who he is. Would you, would you be a juror on this case, or do you think you'd have too much of a bias to be even considered? It would be hard to hide the bias, but I think that's what these people did. Y- there's no way they didn't know, you know? They, there's no way they don't have an opinion, whether good or bad, of his first trial.
3: The legal system wants you to believe that there's precedence, but everything ties back to former cases like was oj's first conviction or lack of conviction i should say was it because of the rodney king trial was it the rodney king beating the lack of conviction for the four cops at the time and then was oj's second time in
2: vegas was that a conviction for not being I think that's a great point John Ryan especially when you talk about bringing up precedence and I mean we talk about precedence in the legal sense as having directing what verdicts are and what sentencing should be based on precedence Uh, but in this case it's almost even more prevalent as just having to say what happened in these trials before this one came up is really what led to this final verdict I mean this guy is serving 33 years for essentially walking in a room and taking some stuff from a guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there were two guys with guns. Nobody had a gun shoved down their throat. Nobody was in shot. In this
0: case, punishment definitely, in my opinion, does not fit the crime.
2: I would agree in 100%, Lisa. And I think...
0: And I think it's it's unfair to say that his past trial, as much as we want to pretend it didn't have anything to do with it, um, it's, it's unfair to say that there was no... We weren't trying to convict him for something so, years ago.
3: So say it's not OJ, though. So take someone else and what you find is they go in same case with guns you hear there's a video recording saying no one's leaving this room yeah it's a threat you, you know the law what mm-hmm. what that says what is a fair sentencing
1: see that's the for, thing for I anyone
3: think, just
0: I, so i was listening to the judge talk about it and it's because the gun was present now i think when any weapons present is a threat, right? That should be taken serious. I, I'm a strong believe we can go into the way I feel about the gun laws and guns in general at another time. But I <laughs> we think will,
2: at, at some point we will <laughs> definitely be having that, that will be on a conversation, show, and
0: that will be definitely something that gets some yes some heat be, from our listeners that here. That will be
2: interesting. But, I promise you guys, but we'll yeah. talk about that another time.
0: But the thing is, is that, so I do I I believe if you have a weapon on you, right? There's some cases I've will like I said, cover here because I have a ton of, a list of cases, yay hi to cover. Um, there's a ton of cases where people go into it with a weapon but claim that they don't, didn't intend to use it. Yep. My personal feeling on that, I don't know if you guys agree and you can chime in here in a second, I believe if you have a weapon on you ever, even if you're not, you know, a bad person, not a criminal, if you have, like, a license to carry... You're ready and willing to use it if, if the need be, right? If, if need be, if need, if need be. Need not, you, I don't, I don't believe people who are strapped in or loaded with guns or carry a switchblade because I know a lot of people who do that. I don't believe that they're just going to go around stabbing people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying right. you're, you have the mindset that if need be, you will use it. So in these cases where it's like an armed robbery or armed attempted robbery, whatever the case may be. If you have a weapon, I do think it's used as a scare tactic, but I do think that if I had a gun pointed in my face, I would believe someone was ready to use it. You know what I mean? And I think that that does plain sensing. However, I don't know if that means 33 years. Right. Uh, well, I think the know? judge
2: in this case also definitely took some time to consider the, the real preponderance of the evidence that had taken place in the first, and, and not only the civil And there was video evidence Of as the well. first case, but she considered the preponderance of the evidence not just beyond a reasonable doubt, for this case, yeah, I think there was no doubt. This time they had video recording, they had eyewitnesses. You didn't leave anybody that could doubt who this was. Uh, so I think you know there's a lot of evidence to convict here. But I will say this, Lisa, as uh, John Ryan and I are both—I uh, won't say like we're not super experienced, but we're experienced firearm users. John Ryan has a permit to carry; he owns a gun. Uh, I have a permit, don't own a gun. But we—we we both have. Been to a range before. I don't think anybody necessarily wants to fire a gun. They yeah. don't have to, unless you. Well, oh, no,
0: absolutely. You, you, don't, crazy, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you don't crazy.
2: Really you don't go around waving
0: your gun right. everywhere. You know, but, Someone but, I, give but, you but your nuggets. to
2: your point, should the need arise, I am glad to know that I know how to use one. Yeah. Um. So absolutely. I will agree with you in that sense. Now, but I do want to get back. Uh, sorry, John Ryan, You said you want. Did you want to say something there?
3: I was just going to say the problem is most people that have guns, and why most people, m- most casualties, other than, obviously, murders, but, intentional mur- pe- people don't know how to use their guns, and right. when they go to clean it, they don't know how, blow
0: their head off accidentally, e-
3: exactly, yeah, so the problem is, I mean, if you're gonna own a gun, you have to know how to use it, you have to know how to clean it, like, and you have
0: to be responsible, and exactly. that's, that's my thing, well, like I said, we'll get into it a whole other episode um, people would probably consider my stance on guns anti gun, but that's not it. It's you need to be responsible. We need to stop selling guns to lunatics. But I don't think that's the problem here. I think, but I think that's what they held on to to convict him with such a high sentence. If he didn't have a gun, I don't think they could peg him for 33 years. I don't. I don't think, um,
3: but you got to think it's nine years. He, like, oh,
0: well, yeah, now, right?
3: Yeah, it, technically he could be getting out tomorrow.
0: So crazy, he'll be back in jail the next.
3: But time. I mean, <laughs> 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 yeah, he might kill somebody. Um, Recent news yeah, is he was masturbating. Wait, wait, wait! Update. update. Yeah, this t- blew my happened mind. Happened today. Apparently, OJ was caught masturbating in front of one of the security <laughs> guards. Yeah, one of the one of the
2: um, the CEOs that he's allegedly been on the block with for several years and knows him well. Uh, said he's. So, so at it. this
3: point, you have to wonder
2: where he's at mentally. Yeah, we're a little concerned here. So guys, it is uh, it's getting a little late. We do uh, we do have to wrap this up. But as we said, so to to close, I'll just go back over what we talked about a little bit about the first case. OJ was obviously acquitted. We talked a little bit about why we think that might be. Obviously, that is an ongoing debate. We still will be talking about this, I think, in 80 years. Oh, um, honestly. So, I, you know, we'd love to get your guys' opinions on what
0: you think. And, and I'll the insert the email once, you know, it's all said and done. At the end of this podcast, you'll hear it somewhere around here. Yeah. So, if you want to give us a shout-out via email, iforanipod at gmail.com is where you would go. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, let's, let's wrap this up. Do you think the punishment fits the crime? Do you think... Let's talk about both. So, yeah. for the first trial, do you guys think the punishment fits the crime? And if not, what do you think the punishment should have been? Do you think an eye for an eye where in the literal definition would be take him out, slit his throat? Do you think a death penalty would have been sufficient? Do you think he didn't deserve the death penalty but did deserve life in prison? What do you think? Do I you think, think it fits the crime? I
3: think OJ should have received life without parole from the
2: first trial for double man one.
0: Yeah. What about you?
2: I, uh, I totally agree. Murder one, you mean. Murder, murder one. I think murder. Yeah, I, I think 100% he was, um, he was guilty in 93. I think he killed his wife because he was jealous and because he was just... Rageful. Yeah, he was he was obviously... And, you know, Control. I do want to chime this in. Uh, like I said, I do like to play devil's advocate. <laughs> We're hearing a lot more nowadays about these football-related injuries. S- and and, which are and
0: very very serious which are
2: very serious and some of these guys are professing to having a lot of anger problems and I'm talking violence issues too so you know that obviously might have been a mitigating factor Concussions
0: are a really good film Concussion to watch is if a great you want kind um, of
2: But as far as this first case goes I I think we were all in agreement um, and like I said you know there's a lot of disparity in a lot of communities and a lot of questions mm-hmm. and a lot of people pulled Uh, who thought he was guilty who thought he wasn't so please everybody you know do your research and we'd love to hear your guys opinion Uh, if you guys have formulated one out there we'd love to hear it Uh, and now I will pose the same question to you guys for trial number two in 2008 was this an eye for an eye. Was this justice? We we don't think it was for trial one. Do we think it was for trial two? Did OJ get a fair shake the second time around in the court system? I
0: think it's so hard to say in my personal opinion because you've posed a lot of questions there. I think an eye for an eye was, was played out. He got sentenced for what I believe he should have been sentenced before. Initially. Um, so. In the literal definition of well, not literal. Obviously, we're not gonna we're not barbarians. We're not taking him out and slitting his throat. But right. you know, I do think justice, quote unquote, would have been served. But I don't think it was served for the crime that he's convicted of. Uh, is currently serving time for. I think it's a it's a very very harsh sentence for a crime where really no violence took place. Meanwhile, this man was acquitted of murder. So it's so backwards. I think justice was served, but I don't think as much as a piece of garbage OJ is, I don't think that the punishment for the second bout of charges fits the crime, I don't. I mean, I guess armed robbery obviously plays, a, but I don't think that's what it was. I mean, I do, like you said, you did bring up what he said in the recordings, but I still, it just doesn't feel, it feels too harsh for what it was. What about you guys? I, want you to in there.
3: I think there just was the opportunity to put a guy who should have been in jail, in jail, and even his his defense attorney. I mean, it's it's hard to like even in that position. It's hard to who
0: was his defense attorney this time around? Do we know
2: someone? different. It wasn't. It was not the same team. No, you think know. he just
0: gave up or you think no one would represent oh, no, him? <laughs> he, I'm sure he
2: still had a decent attorney. Don't yeah. I, I couldn't tell you. It wasn't as prominent though, so it's not. And, yeah, and yeah, if not anybody out enough there case. does case. The
3: other guys he was with though testified against him. Yeah. yeah. So. If you guys took
2: a commuted sentence, I would like to say that. If you guys took a sentence to saying there were guns, Yeah, saying that involved. there were guns and that OJ was the ringleader, and mm-hmm. then he was the one who And there were recordings
0: in. before, after enduring, and and those right. were taken by the people who were supposed to. Right.
2: Them. So, so as I said, there's no real like. What do you think,
0: Matt? Doubt. I, I think personally that
3: believe, though, that the punishment fit the crime with, like, McCartan, past yeah. legal issues. Mm-hmm. Even though being having not convicted the first time, and other times as well down in Florida, a few issues and the domestic violence with Nicole.
0: You think finally yeah. this bastard's getting what he? I just think long deserved.
3: <laughs> I, I just think the opportunity was there to put this guy in jail for a long time, and it was taken by everyone involved. I
0: agree.
2: I I would actually I I think both you guys make excellent points there. Uh, I would say Lisa, you made a good point saying it's both. I think that it's I'm, so hard. <laughs> it's a miscarriage of justice, quite frankly. I mean, if we're looking at it. Blindly and eye for an eye. No, it's a it's a miscarriage of justice. I think you no, know people if it, don't, if I it wouldn't was get Matt O'Donnell, years, yeah, yeah. You asked me if they sentenced me to thirty years, I'd be appealing like that, <laughs> dropping the hat and and hopefully you know. I'm But that, that wouldn't down happen
0: to you because you weren't. Because I'm you not don't have a history.
2: Right, but I also think John Ryan makes an excellent point to say that you know uh, OJ, this this was played out over fifteen years. Mm-hmm. This this wasn't a quick thing. There was incidents in Florida involving him. OJ was in the press. He was in the media. He was more he came a, out about his
0: trials. He well. wrote a freaking book. <laughs> if I wrote a
2: confessional book, Practice yeah. I mean come on. Like so if this guy I did it. If hey let's say that gotcha. in quotes if I did it. You know? So like <laughs> we're talking about like a guy here who's clearly unhinged in some ways. I think it was a miscarriage of justice at some degree. But like you guys said, you bring up a good point. Over time, we both, we all think he he kills two people, and somehow was let off for that.
0: Mind blowing.
2: Mind blowing in real life. Be, but but we'll say again, it goes back to the same thing. If it wasn't O.J. Simpson, it was the It was like yeah, must <laughs> the have dog. And the that, dog did a little dog too. But so yeah, we we'll we'll will say
0: tomorrow. for an
2: eye for an eye. I don't think OJ. I think he went over two. But at the same time, I do believe that um,
0: justice was served.
2: Justice was served.
0: But I mean, we say that now. But tomorrow, everything might change. Right. We will find Bastard out tomorrow. May walk uh, free.
2: More, in, more information to come, you guys. But we'll I want
0: an update Minnesota about this. You yeah, know, for sure. From well, tomorrow's uh, hearing, and
2: we'll chime in a little bit later as more information comes out. But I think uh, for now, I want to just thank. You guys, for, yeah, for getting involved with this. We want to thank awesome. all of
0: you for Thanks listening. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. should come back all the time. John Ryan, come me. back
2: whenever we have
0: a gazillion cases to cover. You yeah. gotta come back for every single one. And
2: this is something I'll like we'll be we hopping said, in and out of the <laughs> studio for sure.
0: Yeah. 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 Thank you Absolutely. for coming in. Tonight. So, we thank you for listening. Like I said, we'll plug the email here. So, if you want to give us a shout out via email, eye for an iPod at gmail.com is where you would go let us know your opinions that's what this whole thing's about like i said we don't care if you're a stranger if you're our best friend if you want to be part of this podcast want to skype in, want to facetime and want to call in you have a favorite case of hometown murder something that really irks you something where you feel like the trial either does fit the crime doesn't fit the crime could be better could be worse We want to hear from you we want to hear about it we want to know we want to talk about it i mean the best part of this podcast is we all have different opinions uh you know we agree to disagree or we agree and and that makes it special at the end of the day does the punishment fit the crime that's really the question we're trying to answer and And we'd love to hear from you guys, you know, does the punishment fit the crime?
2: Right. Ultimately, I mean, we can sit here and it's two, maybe three people whose opinions are weighed in, but we want to hear from you guys. Uh, Ultimately, that's why we're doing this. We did this. This was Lisa's idea, but we love the idea of connecting with more people on something that we're really interested in. So
0: tell your friends, tell your fam if anyone likes true crime. Like I said, these are all of our, our own personal opinions. Yes, we did research. Yes, a lot of it's based in fact. However, obviously, the basis of the podcast is our opinion, so don't hate us too much. Right. OJ is mind. a garbage truck of a person. <laughs>
2: according to Lisa. Okay, just kidding. So that's according to Lisa. He's, he
0: is a garbage truck of a person. <laughs> now, I do um, want to
2: do, I want to, since you just mentioned, I want to thank uh, a little bit of, uh, just, just a little bit yeah. of admonishing here. We did ESPN. We did FX. We covered them. But I want to personally thank some of the people that have done such great work. To study and really research this case and then put the information so accessibly online or in film form absolutely uh, you guys are the superstars and we're just here talking about it so I appreciate all that being public and as I said anybody that's interested please check out the documentary OJ made in America the ESPN films or the FX series the People versus O.J. Simpson, both were excellent, excellent sources of information for us. Uh, and we want to leave this open to debate, so we're going to leave this, end it with a question, if that's okay yes, with you Yes,
0: absolutely. Uh,
2: was this a fair sentence? This is a multiple-part question, so be prepared. <laughs> was You're this ready. a fair sentence? Was it makeup for the case in 1995, the second trial? Do you believe O.J. was really this bastard Piece of garbage that Lisa was. That Lisa was. that Lisa was. I am not garbage. That, I'm saying that Lisa was saying. I should say. I, I meant to finish. I, I meant to finish the sentence. That Lisa was saying, and I was gonna say was echoing, but you did say <laughs> it. So um, but I, you know, I want to hear your guys' opinion too. I personally would agree with Lisa in some sense that he is a piece of shit. You know, this guy really is a murderer, and he got off on it just off of being a kind of a schmoozer and a charming guy, but. You know, we want to hear your opinion, so we're going to leave it open to debate. I once again want to thank my co-host, Lisa, and my thank brother, you, John Matt. Ryan. Thank you, Thank
0: you, John Ryan. Thank,
2: thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure
0: to hang with you guys, chat about some OJ the juice, watch some
2: uh, Bucko wins
0: way. here, uh, bringing home the W. All right, well, thank you guys so much. Give us your feedback, answer those questions. We'd love to hear from you. Have a good night.
2: Good night, guys.
0: If you or anyone you know is in an abusive relationship, please reach out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Their phone and chat services are available to anyone who has been affected by relationship abuse, including those who are currently in abusive relationships, those who are working to heal, friends or family of victims and survivors, and anyone in the community who has questions about domestic violence. They have the ability to provide phone services in more than 200 languages, and their number is 1-800-799-7233. You're not alone, and you never will be.
1: Clark, Clark County, Nevada. The state of Nevada plaintiff versus Ornthal James Simpson, defendant. Case number C, two three seven eight nine zero, department 5. Verdict. We the jury in the title case. Find the defendant, Ornthal James Simpson, S. Guilty. Count two. Conspiracy commit kidnapping. Guilty. Count three. Conspiracy